Fellas, what's good? Shit, it's your world, DC. Hey, Dub, how the hell you been, bruh? Been pretty good, Press. I'm all good over here, man. Dude, how about this weather, man? <laughs> it's end of September, bro, and it still feel like the summertime out here in the shot. Yeah, man. And guess what, Press? I know it may feel like summertime. That means we may have a hard winter. Hey, Dub, stop it, sir. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Hey, Dub, get me depressed already. God damn you. <laughs> you know how it is here, man. You feeling all good about the summertime, and then all of a sudden, that hawk kicks, man. It's over. Fuck, hey, Dub. Damn. DC, what's the good word? You got something better for me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was looking at I was looking at Phoenix Suns tickets for February 7th when the Bulls go out there. I'm like, man, I got to get away from this cold in February, man. I, I might have to get around. And you know what, DC? That's a good call, man, because one of my guys, he went to uh, a couple of those Suns-Bucks games, and he was like, bro, he said the tickets there for Phoenix are so much cheaper, man, and a lot of these arenas in the Midwest. I was like, damn, he was showing me the prices, and I'm like, Man, somebody uh, people better get to these Phoenix Suns games when they play your your team. Before I couldn't, they courtside seats like they were like a couple grand for the finals. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing though, I don't. I'm 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 feeling really good today because I don't normally cook, but when I do, I know I sound like a Dos Equis commercial, but when I do, man, oh man, I made a big old pot of of, of Louisiana sexy jambalaya. Remind me of those 900 numbers at night. One 900, eat me now. Oh, my God. My, my, my jambalaya was hitting, man. Um, DC, this is a, a, a kid-friendly show, sir. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking awesome, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, you crazy, boy. You are crazy. <laughs> Fancy. <laughs> I see, my lord. <laughs> I told you, listen, it's this weather, man. It, it go, you know how it go to people's head. DC over there in that kitchen cooking, doing whatever he's doing over there. <laughs> oh shit! Well, audience, as you guys know, this show is brought to you guys by Crave It. That app is available on Apple and Android applications. Please join us on our exclusive community at Chicago Versus, fellas. Let's get into this show today. So. We know Sunday, that game did not go as we expected it to go. I mean, a lot of us thought Justin Fields would have some struggles. We didn't think that we were going to see all-time lows with our Bears team in the offense. Fellas, give me a quick, a few words on that game on Sunday, and then we're going to talk about this purchase agreement for Arlington Heights, because that's all our listeners probably want to hear us talk about. But I still want to get you guys' general thoughts about that game on Sunday, because we got to talk about it a little bit. Man, I want to put that game behind us as quickly as possible, because this was atrocious all the way around, except on the defense. Yeah, atrocious is a great word for it. I, rem I remember this uh, TV show from back in the day, Eight is Enough. I mean, watching watching Justin Fields get sacked, man. I'm like, eight is enough. God, come on now. Man, that shit made me uncomfortable. I was texting A-Dub during that game. I was like, man, if they hit my quarterback one more time, I'm going to go out there to Cleveland. Like, that shit was pissing me off, man. I'm like, Jesus Christ, can y'all protect this guy? Man. man, Perez, I was like, hey, you know what? Fields had enough, man. Put Nagy back there. <laughs> Shit, I want to steal on Nagy so bad, but I'm, I'm gonna keep. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it positive, though. But I swear to God, I want to steal on him so bad, bro. Hey, friends, you a fool, man. But I definitely understand you, brother. Damn. But you know what? So this is the thing that I want to really get into with you guys, because obviously that performance was awful by the offense. Matt Nagy didn't do us any favors with that game plan. He didn't put Justin Fields in good positions, whatever. We're going to be done talking about that unless he does this shit again against Detroit. But the news that came out last night when the Bears had their offer accepted from Arlington Heights, I mean, uh, from Arlington Racetrack and from Churchill Downs, for $197.2 million. And the fellas, when that juicy news came out last night, I was sitting up and I'm thinking, the Bears are good. Now, this fan base has been on fire about Nagy. They've been pissed off about the way Justin Fields was used. And then the Bears say, you know what? Let's change the narrative. Let's get these folks talking about Arlington Heights. Well played, Bears, because we're about to talk about it. Yeah, it was well played for us for sure. I mean, they, they made that deal at the right time, right? When everything was going so bad, when your your um your coach is under the bus right now and a lot of fire. So I got to salute them for that part of it. But man, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. I mean, can Lori Lightfoot convince these guys to stay in Chicago? We will see. Yeah, that's a great way to flip the script because there was nothing but negative press surrounding the Bears for the first few days of this week. Uh, but it got me excited. You know, as much as I would love to see the Bears remain in Chicago, I feel like they had to get aggressive in letting the city know, like, we're, we're serious. We're serious about moving this team uh, and upgrading our facilities. Yeah, DC, because I know in the last episode, you talked about the fact of, hey, the Bears belong in Chicago. They belong here on the lakefront. But this is my thing about this. I love Soldier Field. Now, I know some people look at it and they'll be like, hey, but if you go to the washroom in between the game, you're going to be in the bathroom for an hour between the lines and the walk back to your seats. I get it. The amenities there aren't ideal. If you go get some popcorn or get a beer, it's going to be another quarter of a wait. You better not be fucking late getting to that game because you're going to be sitting in traffic. Depending on where you're parking, you're going to be walking a half hour to 40 minutes to the game. So the game the game day experience for a Bears fan is not ideal currently at Soldier Field. However, I don't know, man. I still, when I look at this situation, it makes me sad a little bit because I'm like, I know the why. I know why the Bears are doing this, guys. They're doing this because they're seeing all these modern stadiums pop up. The Bears don't own Soldier Field, as I've talked about on other episodes. They have no control over what happens at that fucking stadium. You got fucking right. concerts. You got Chicago Fire there. We had the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game there this weekend. You got anything and everything going on at that stadium, right? So they have no say. So the Bears, the first and foremost, they're like, look, we want to own our own stadium. That's the first piece of the puzzle here. But then the second thing you look at is the revenues, the Bears are about to make some money. If this thing goes the way that I think it's going to go and they end up building this stadium, think about the events that's going to come here, fellas. You're going to have NCAA Final Fours. You're going to have NCAA football championship games here. You're going to have a future Super Bowl coming here. WrestleMania. Think about it. The list goes on and on and on. No, great points there, Preston. A lot of good was there. But you also got to think about as well is the capacity, right? How many people that can fit into that arena, you know, who can get into there, who can come, you know, with the fan base. And I think right now, what he had with Soldier Field is not enough as compared to other arenas, right? Other fields. And I think that plays a part of it as well. 
you mentioned about the ownership piece of it, right? Their landlord, you know, things are not good, probably not going so well with that either. So it makes it even more intriguing for them to say, you know what, it's better of us to move on and do things our way, like you were saying, friends. And for Chicago to be an extremely cold weather city, it's a, it's a friendly, bitter bitch at times. But what I will say is we need a dome. So if they are going to build out in Arlington Heights, you got to put a roof on that thing, you know, because as you mentioned, prayers, the, the, the WrestleMania is the final fours. These events happen in winter, in spring. So, you know, it's going to be a little chilly. You know, man, I could just see a retractable roof on that thing, man. I could see 90,000, 100,000. Man, don't get me excited. <laughs> and, so, and so, DC, yeah, I made that point with the expectation that, yeah, it would be a dome. It has to be because, like you said, those events all come when it's the fucking hawk here. We're not trying to deal with that type of weather to have those type of events. But to the point that you're making, and, and you guys have probably both been to Arlington Racetrack. I was just there like a month ago. That property has so much space. Those parking lots are huge. You have the space behind where the stables are. They even have like a, like a practice track that's on Arlington Racetrack. They have so much room there. So when people think about this, this site here in Arlington, don't just look at it like saying, hey, the Bears can be able to put this really state-of-the-art football stadium together. That's not the only thing they'll be able to do with this space. Think about some of these other stadiums. What do they have, guys, that we don't have right now at Soldier Field? I'll tell you. They have entertainment outside of these stadiums. There's bars. There's restaurants. They got a whole experience. I was in Dallas earlier in the summer, and I looked at what they have out there outside that stadium, but I'm like, damn, I don't even want to go home. Fuck the game. I want to hang out over here. This shit's, this shit's lit. We don't have that right now with Soldier Field. So I think if they do go do something with Arlington Heights, there's going to be that opportunity for them to build that up and have their own little Bears community where they're really going to be able to make some revenue with all the that entertainment that they would be able to potentially do. Oh, yeah, that would be dope right there, Frizz. You know, after the game, people get to hang out, chill. That's more revenue, more money. You're right. That keeps people around, keeps people interested, right? So I think that is a deal breaker for them, for sure, they able to do all those things. Yeah, and that that's what really – enhances that fan experience is having those bars having those restaurants just having uh a, a full day's worth of activities you know or surrounded uh you know surrounding the game itself and chicago to be such a world-class city it's it's a shame that soldier field can't offer that yeah. well you know so what the like problem is with that though fellas when they did do the redesign of the stadium mayor daly who was the mayor at the time he was fighting to get them to put a retractable dome on that stadium. However, the state legislator turned that down. So they had to do it without the dome because they were only going to give them X amount of money to do the, uh, the renovations for Soldier Field. So that was a missed opportunity at that time. It could be a totally different uh, conversation if that had happened then. But at the same time, too, to the point that Ada made, we know that the seating capacity of Soldier Field is far less than some of these modern stadiums. So to go out there to Arlington Heights where you might be able to build an 80, 90,000 seat stadium that has a retractable roof, that's so attractive for all these major events. Yeah, the thing is, Perez, you got people interested in wanting to see it, right? If it happens, right? People want to go there, see what it's about. Experience it, right? Because it's brand new. You know how it go, Perez. Anything that's new coming to the shy, everyone is all for it, right? 
outside the shot, a little bit outside the shot, that's totally fine, you know? So we all love things like that and we want to experience it. So I think for them, it makes business sense. It makes an attractive sense as well. And it get people coming. Here's an idea. You know, if, if Mayor Lightfoot really wants to keep this team in Chicago, look at expanding to the South side. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's tons of land uh, within the city limits to the South that we could look at breaking ground for, for an arena, for, I'm oh, not arena, I'm sorry, for a stadium. So, um, you know, it, to let the Bears out of the lease early, I know that's a whole different conversation, you know, but, you know, they're under, they're under uh, the lease till 2033. So we got time to figure it out if, if we keep them here in the city. Yeah, but to that point, DC, if the Bears do break that lease, they have to pay $84 million. If you're talking right. about them building some like billion dollar stadium, and I'm not saying this from my pocketbooks, but that's chunk change <laughs> if you think about it, because the NFL may just cut that check to the city until Mayor Lightfoot get the fuck out of here, you know, because the NFL they will show you how powerful they are because Mayor Lightfoot in June, when she was fucking, you know, had her chest poked out a little bit, what she said, the NFL will never allow the Bears to move from Chicago. Shit. She underestimated this whole situation, and she played her cards the wrong way. I will play poker with her any day of the week. I'm like, this motherfucker ain't got no poker face. And with that, press, it looks like they may have missed some steps, right, with that communication piece with the landlord and, and, and you know, and, and the team. So with ownership. So it's like, look, if you can't get that part of it right, you know, you, you, you're not doing a good justice for this team staying in Chicago. And then to the other point, Perez, you talked about a little bit earlier, was around just about the fact of what's all around, you know, um, Soldier Field. Think about Wrigley, right? Wrigley got so many things outside of it that you can go to. You know, you, I mean, well, I don't want to get into the whole thing about, about the curls, but the thing is, it's the experience around it, right? When people would go out there and drink and have fun, you, you miss that opportunity when you talk about going to Soldier Field. So you don't get that feel that you were alluding to um, like that. So, yeah, all these things matter, man. And Lori Lightfoot got a big um, job on her hands. And so far, first, I think she's losing the battle. Hell, yeah, she's losing the battle. But she, listen, she had a lot of bass in her voice earlier in the summer. What she tell them? They should focus on beating the Packers and being relevant past October. <laughs> she, listen, that was, that, was some fun, that was some funny shit, right? Funny yeah, it was. <laughs> right. But, but hold on, fellas. Who's laughing now? Right. There you go. There you go. Because you, you know who's going to miss out? The fans are going to miss out. Now, I told y'all, it don't matter if they play in Chicago, Arlington Heights, Gary. I'm still going to the games. It don't matter to me. But there's a lot of people that's like, hey, man, I, I don't want to go to Arlington Heights. That's so far. I'm a little different in the fact that, hey, this is my team. I've been following this team since I was four years old. I go where they go. So that's just where I stand with it. But there's a lot of people that don't share that sentiment. And it, it, those people are going to miss out because when you have egos that are involved, when you have these millionaire people and, and the government that can't fucking see eye to eye on situations, the fans right. are the ones that lose out. Always the fan base who loses in their case there. So it's going to be some disgruntled fans if that was to happen, Perez. Now, a point that D.C. made that I wanted to touch on real quick. So he said, you know, there could be some land there in the city that they may be able to, you know, maybe develop on a little bit on the south side. So I thought about that too, D.C., and I actually looked up some of the grid here in Chicago and saw where is it that they might actually be able to build on. And I'm like, there's only like two places that like legitimately would make sense. One was in Chinatown 
and the other is over there in that uh, stockyard. And I don't know if you could do anything on that stockyard because for, you know, ecological reasons, I don't even know if that would be a fit. So it's like basically Chinatown or Arlington Heights because there's nothing they're going to be able to do with Soldier Field because that doesn't solve the what the Bears' issue is. The Bears' issue is ownership. Soldier right. Field, that's out of the equation. It don't matter anymore there. So when the mayor's talking about sitting down and having a conversation, what are we talking about? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I feel like when it when it comes down and see, I heard Lori's take this morning uh, that the Bears just haven't wanted to 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 come to the table. They didn't, you know, start the conversation. You know, really, she's she's just defending herself here. I, I get that, but uh, the Bears are going to do what's in the best interest of the Bears organization period that's what like you said to your point Chris whether it's Chicago whether it's Arlington Heights wherever and the fans are going to travel Bears fans travel well Uh, but the thing here is that nobody is taking into consideration is that the fans are the reason why the Bears are a four billion dollar franchise are valued Mm -hmm. seven points in the league the fans are so you always got to look at what's in the best interest of the fans you know what, DC? I agree with that 100%. And not to talk about what happened on Sunday, but you should know how this Bears organization is. They do not care about the fans because after what we saw on Sunday, you should know 100% they don't give a shit about us because my blood pressure was through the roof. That's why I'm going to try to calm it down on this episode today. But to that point, <laughs> they'll care about us. <laughs> <laughs> Man, 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 friends, no, it don't look like they care about us, man, the way things have happened, you know, this previous week. But anyway, on the, on the flip side of it, we know the Bears are about the financial side of it. They're about the money, man, and they yep. want to get the revenue. And they see a golden opportunity here, really. And all we see is happening really is two sides can't get along. So what happens when you can't get along anyway in the city? You end up breaking up, right? So mm-hmm. I just see a gold mine for them to continue to make money and prosper off that part of it. Because, unfortunately, man, Bears fans are more than just Chicago, really. And we're everywhere. And when you're a Bears fan, you're a diehard fan. And even though the team can do bad, you still roll with the team. And it's a lot of us like that, Prince. That's right. That's right. Now, one thing that I thought was interesting, because you guys both brought up uh, the mayor's comments. She said something that actually made me chuckle. She, <laughs> talked to, she talked about the revenue opportunities that Soldier Field has. And she basically tried to say, whether the Bears are there or not, she said, we'll do okay because she said, we have the Chicago Fire. She said, we have the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game that came. We have concerts and the Kanye listening party. She named some of these different things. And then I laughed and I said, well, Mayor, that's all well and fun, but we talk about the Chicago Fire versus the Chicago Bears? I ain't never been to a Chicago Fire game in my life. No disrespect. I bet they're really good and probably entertaining, but we talk about the Bears here. Well, what are we talking about, Mayor? And then the second part, guys, if the Bears go out to Arlington Heights and build that beautiful state-of-the-art stadium, you don't think that the Kanye Future concerts and Beyonce concerts and Jay-Z concerts and Notre Dame, whoever the hell they play, you don't think that they're going to go out to Arlington Heights instead? Right. Close to the old hair. That's all I'm saying. See, see, DC, talk to him. See, she underestimated this whole entire situation. And I'm not going to say this was her fault because she didn't build Soldier Field. She wasn't around when they did those renovations because that was Mayor Daly and that was Jim Edgar and those people. But 
This is going to fall on her lap. This is going to be a part of her legacy. If the Bears leave Chicago, my Lord, Mayor Lightfoot, what a legacy. Oh, yeah. She's going to be thrown on the bus big time, Perez. Uh, but your other point is about other guys, celebrities, right? When they have concerts, they want to go to the bigger venue, right? What's well, going to give them the most money? And it just might not be Soldier Field, that other that other arenas out there built in Arlington Heights. Well, yeah, because it's all about revenue. Right. Shit, if you if you could pack in another 20,000 fans at them damn ridiculous prices that concerts cost, don't even get me started on that. Man, these tours, they're going to be at all those mega stadiums. They're going to go to SoFi. They're going to go to Jerry's World in Dallas. They're going to go to Arlington Heights. They're going to go anywhere where they can pack those people in because you got artists like Drake and Rihanna and Beyonce and Jay-Z. They sell out arenas. They do. So they're going to get that money. So these, this is why opportunities like this today don't exist for the Bears in the future. In Arlington Heights, it could. But I want people to think about this situation with Bear, the Bears coming to agreement with Arlington Racetrack and Churchill Downs. Think about when you go into a purchase agreement audience for a home. These things don't just happen overnight, right? You got to go through closing. You got to go through inspections. There's so many different things to happen. And we're just talking about a home purchase. Imagine an almost $200 million investment. This is probably going to take about a year, maybe a year and a half for them to get everything figured out and for them to get this thing closed. We're probably not looking for the Bears to probably even break, brown, break, break ground or anything related to a stadium until, what, about 2024? This is going to be at least a three- to five-year project. So this is not going to be something that's going to happen overnight. So the point that you guys made is, yeah, maybe the mayor has an opportunity here to try to convince the Bears to stay, but I don't know, man. It's going to take a lot. Well, <laughs> yes. I will say this. The one thing that will help accelerate these talks in this process is the play of Justin Fields. Because when we're talking three, five years down the line, this man might be one of the best quarterbacks in the league, especially if Matt Nagy is not coaching him. So you got a winning team, you're going to want to put them in a winning uh, environment. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point, man. But I think at the end of the day, what shit, with Justin, whether he's tearing it up uh, next Sunday or tearing it up three years from now, that could still happen in Soldier Field in the meantime while they're building the, the, the big state-of-the-art stadium. I don't think that changes anything per se, but I get the point. I think the point that you're making is, is that they need to get this thing figured out because if you do have that guy, the franchise quarterback that we've all been craving and wanting, you need to make sure that you got all this bullshit from the business side already shored up. So I get you. I get you. But yeah, definitely all that makes sense. Yep. I got a question for you guys. Do you guys know the origin of Soldier Field? Because there's a lot of people that was in our mention saying, oh, man, you know, I'm all about the tradition and I'm going to, I'm not going to ever go to a game at another stadium that's not at Soldier Field. And I was asking these people, and I want to get you guys' thoughts on this because a lot of people don't know. Do you know the origin behind Soldier Field? Enlighten us, prayers. All right. Soldier Field used to be a track and field stadium because, you know, the Bears used to play at Wrigley Field. So then they got kicked out of Wrigley Field so that they built the stadium there at Soldier Field. They made a football stadium out of it for the Bears to start playing there. So if you think about the history of Soldier Field, it's a track and field stadium. And see, I remember, you know, the naming of Soldier Field being more so like honoring soldiers that that, that died in, in the line of duty and combat and whatnot. But track and field, I mean, that's 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 interesting. Interesting uh, roots there. Yeah, but in, and to the point, yeah, the naming convention, that's definitely why, you know, they named it Soldier Field. But 
it's just a lot of people don't know that, guys. And so when they talk about the tradition, I'm like, yeah, you're right. There has been a lot of tradition at Soldier Field. However, this <laughs> shows you that Arlington High School can be a new tradition. You know, you can always continue on with a tradition. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you got to still stay at Soldier Field because a lot of people will say, Bears weather. I love being on the lakefront because then the opposing teams, that's our advantage. But Another thing that I, I can say in my lifetime as a Bears fan, I've only seen three games in my time that have actually helped us in those cold weather situations. So I feel like sometimes people overrate that Bears open field, open air concept. So to the point that you were making earlier, DC, if we do go to a dome, I don't think that's going to matter one way or the other, just like I don't think it necessarily matters that opposing teams have to come in here and play in that cold-ass stadium in the winter. Right. And the thing is, both teams have to weather that environment. It's not like, oh, because we play here more often that these guys don't get cold when it's negative five degrees outside <laughs> and they got to play a football game. I mean, it's huh. still the elements, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I just I, I, I've never really got the the appeal of the positioning of where Soldier Field is as being much of an advantage. No, it's not to me. You know, I mean, certain players love the cold. Certain players don't, right? And a lot of players we have probably don't like the cold. They must, they like playing in the, in the hot weather, right? And it's all depending on where you, you know, went to college at and where you grew up playing football at, right? So that all plays a part in it too. But, you know, we have those same type of players. So some of these guys are probably going to feel more comfortable playing in a dome because they like that, you know, that, that type of environment. I think it depends on if it's offense versus defense because the defensive players are known to have a little bit of a screw loose. I've seen right. some of the times those guys don't put nothing on them arms and they be out there. <laughs> and I'm like, boy, you out there psyching that opponent out. <laughs> right. Because I ain't going to lie to y'all, man. When I used to play football and it used to be them games where it'd be like about 30, 40 degrees out there, I had all tights. I lathered myself with Vaseline on my legs and arms. I'm like, shit, I ain't not here. I got nothing to prove. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <That's your stuff>. <laughs> You warming up, brother. You warm yourself up. Like, hey, it's cold. I ain't no playing no games, man. Got a hat on everything else, man. Look, we didn't have no heaters. This was high school football. We had no heaters. I'm like, listen, when I'm not running around on the field, when I'm standing on that sideline shit, I need to have something keeping me warm over here. <laughs> man. Yep, yep. Hey, coach is like, hey, your hands cold? Put your hands in your pocket. <laughs> Put your hands in your pants. Well, see, it's all, cold out here. All we had was those hand warmers. That was it. Everything else, I'm like, uh-uh, I'm about to wear some tights. I'm going to put this Vaseline on. I'm like, listen. And that was a secret that a lot of people didn't even know about back in the day. But that thing, that Vaseline adds another layer of protection in the cold. So, well, any of you high school ball players out there, I know y'all playing right now. This is like about week four, week five. Y'all been lucky that this weather been so warm. But when it turns, remember this trick from press. Vaseline. <laughs> there you go. Got All right, fellas. Well, listen. We're going to turn the page off of that Bears talk, and let's, let's talk about Patrick Williams. We didn't get a chance to talk about this last week, but he got injured. He's got a four- to six-week timetable. He got hurt in an um, off-season workout. I guess it was an optional workout. Fellas, what do you, how do you think this bodes for not only Pat Williams this upcoming season, but our lineup with him being out? Because he's going to definitely miss the start of the season. Yeah, I was looking at it as, as well, and in, in – in I feel like it's going to benefit him because 
coming off of his rookie season, he was just out there just trying to trying to do his best to fit in, right? Like he wasn't trying to take over games, do anything spectacular, just trying to be a steady presence on that court. I feel like him having to watch from the sidelines now and 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 understand where he fits and how he can help. I feel like that's going to help his basketball IQ and that's just going to help him uh, in his development as a player because we saw in summer league that they were asking him to do a little bit more on the offensive end and, you know, showcase more leadership skills. I feel like, you know, when you get a chance to sit down and, and watch things unfold, you can re-enter yourself into that equation uh, and a smarter player. I think a little bit differently, DC. And, uh, I'll, you know, part of him coming to this season here, I know it was a big focus. And I heard, you know, uh, Coach speak on this here about his, you know, conditioning, right? Because last year, you know, um, you know, he had to go against all these great players and it wore him down. So yep. with you being hurt and injured, it kind of slows you back down. So now you got to work your conditioning back up again. And how long is that going to take, right? So that's pretty much I thought it was more of a setback because the kid was also a great star this offseason. And now all of a sudden they get injured, you got to pretty much start over a little bit over now, that's a good point, A-Dub. I know Billy Donovan did make that point because he said not only did Patrick Williams slow down, but he thought that there was times that maybe that was why he wasn't aggressive or assertive because he didn't have that energy. So I think right. that was one of the big focuses. They wanted him to work on getting that conditioning and getting that stamina because you got to think about it. Pat Williams, when he played at college, he didn't play that many minutes, and he came into the league at 19. And you're asking him to defend your LeBron Jameses and your Kevin Durants. They asked a lot of him as a rookie. They did. And he wasn't ready. I mean, no offense. He just didn't know what he's getting himself into. Like you said, Perez, didn't play a lot of games and came off the bench too. So like, like you're saying, that does matter. So now you come into your second seed sophomore year, you realize what you got to do differently. But now you can't do those things when you get hurt. So that does play a factor in it. But I see your point, though, DC. You get to learn. But a lot of times when you're a player like that, you're learning and growing, you off to a good start, you want to be out there playing with the guys. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And – he he had he's always had that grown man frame, but he had a little baby fat on him last year. You could tell. Yeah. Uh, I just I just saw that transition, for, you know, from from what he put in in the off season. When he showed up in summer league, he looked like a different guy. He so it, it sucks that he has this injury now, but I feel like his uh, his trajectory is still on the up and up. Right. I think so too. I think so too, and I think I agree with the point that you made about his approach on how he transformed his body this summer, uh, D.C., because in summer league, he did look different. He had a different feel. He had a different pop to his game. And I like that because we didn't see that year one. So he showed some promise there. So I was really excited. So for me, when I saw that he got hurt, just like the same thing that I saw when I saw that Kobe White got hurt, I didn't like it because I'm like, man, these are young guys that we need them in there right now because this experience right now in training camp, you got all these new pieces coming in. This is his time to kind of get integrated with these guys. Now that he's not there and not going to be able to play with them, now you're going to put him into the mix, what, two weeks into the season? I just – I don't like that for chemistry's sake. Yeah, good word to use right there, Perez, chemistry, because now guys are learning to play without him. Well, he's going to have to be the guy on the defensive end for the Bulls. I mean, it starts with Lonzo. Don't get me wrong. It, it all starts mm – -hmm being up on that ball as soon as it crossed half court. But he's that back line of defense. I mean, he's going to have to cover up for a lot of uh, uh, Vucevic's mistakes because Vucevic is not known as a, a rim protector. You know, he's a good rebounder. 
but uh, but Patrick Williams is going to have to to do a lot of the help side defense and just uh, you know really cover a lot of ground. So it's going to hurt for the first few games of the season. And also, it alters that starting lineup because he was slated to be your starting four. Now we got to figure out what we're going to do there with that starting lineup. And to the point that you made, DC, it does affect us on defense because. Pat Williams is going to be one of those pieces that was going to be able to help not only, let's be honest, not only Vooch, but Zach and DeMar. You know, we got some guys here on this team. They're not known for being defenders. Now, I know that Zach Levine said in media day that his goal was to be all defensive player this year. And I said, okay, Zach, I like that. I ain't going to make fun of you about that because I remember when D. Rose said, shit, why not me? And he went out there and did that shit. So I'm not one to doubt somebody when they say something because, you know, people, if they put their mind to something, you know, pretty dangerous so but to this point we haven't seen that from some of these guys leading up to this season so I think defensively which I was already worried worried about guys I'm even more worried about it with Patrick going down yeah because you've missed something there like you're saying Perez that versatility on defense you know um, a lot of these fours now are playing on perimeter and not having him there it puts us in a tough spot now to have certain guys do all the, the, the work right regarding guys and it's going to hurt a little bit the good news is, you know, I saw reports that, you know, for the Sky's last game against the Fever, I believe he was in attendance. He did not have on a walking boot or anything of that nature. So, you know, it was diagnosed as a severe ankle sprain, but, you know, it's encouraging to see that it's he's not on crutches or anything like that. So, and him being 20 years old, you know how father time works. I think he, he'll heal up pretty nicely, you know, but you know, again, I, I just, to your point, Perez, it sucks for chemistry's sake, um, but he's he's going to be all right. I do like, I'm encouraged by the fact that he's not walking around one of those big-ass boots on, so that's encouraging because I didn't know what the situation was there. Yeah, and, and, and it, when you think about it, too, you know, his, his presence is going to be missed, but you got a guy like Alex Caruso that could come in. Uh, and play the three. DeMar DeRozan can play the four. I mean, you may have to start off the season going a little small, but there are weapons. I mean, we got Derrick Jones Jr. We got, I heard uh, Billy Donovan talk about it in media day. We got a guy like Stanley Johnson that could come in and just, you know, spell some of those minutes. They may have to just play that four by committee until he gets back. Yeah, you know, the guy I think, you know, um, that could really do a good job, I mean, Stanley Johnson, I mean, we saw what Stanley Johnson did last year, and he's mostly used to playing the power forward anyhow, right? So I like the fact that the kid can play hard, got a little defense there, can also block some shots. So I can see a guy like Stanley filling in for him, you know, until he comes back. Yeah, I, that's a good call out uh, because they definitely need someone like that that's going to be able to bring some of that defensive pedigree in because, okay, let's, let's look at the lineup real quick. So as far as your forwards, you got DeMar, you got Troy Brown Jr., you have Derrick Jones Jr., and obviously, Big Pat, Nikola Vucevic, Tony Bradley, and then DC's boy, Marco Samanovic. Those are your guys that are on that 13 guaranteed contract clip in addition to your guards, which is Zach, Colby, Io, Javante Green, Lonzo, Caruso, and then Devin Dotson. So you got some guys that are on these two-way contracts. You guys mentioned Stanley Johnson. You also got Alizé Johnson that came over from the Nets. So you got some guys there. They also picked up uh, Daniel Turo. So it, it, it's, it's, it's just a wonder of who's actually going to make those last couple spots on the roster and then how do they compensate for uh, Big Pat uh, going out of the lineup. 
think also, even with it, Billy Donovan can move some things around depending on who our opponents are, right? Who we're playing against. So you can go small, you can go big, right? So it depends on that aspect of it, but it depends on the game, really, the matchups. And I think that's something that Billy Donovan can play around. Yeah, and that's such a beautiful problem to have with some of those names that you mentioned because, you know, we all just have to take a collective sigh of relief that none of those names include Cristiano Felicio. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we'll be all right. <laughs> Oh God! We, an audience, we will never mention that game on the, that name on this podcast ever again. But we just had to just remind you guys of how fortunate we are with this roster. God, thank you, AK and Mark Eversley. Thank you. You guys have delivered us from the depths of hell, for real. <laughs> An upgrade, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, to uh, DC's DC's words last week, AK would never. AK would never fucking give Cristiano Felicio a four-year, $32 million contract. He would never. He would never. And, you know, Gar would have paid him, like, four years, 65. He would have been like, oh, you up? <laughs> All right, here, about $65 million. You know what the thing that pissed me off? And I, I, They went out and signed him at 12.01 at midnight like he was some guy. So I'm like, why y'all start Cristiano Felicio at the strike of midnight? He ain't that kind of guy. Like, we're going to lose out on something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't nobody coming to see you, Otis. <laughs> well played, DC. Well played. <laughs> All right. So what did you guys think about some of the words from DeMar DeRozan for Media Day? Because one of the things that a lot of people in the media want to keep asking him about specifically is fit. He's kind of bucked up at the media a little bit. And I like that because DeMar DeRozan's kind of come in and said, look, for me, it's not about stats, it's about winning. But I want to get you guys' general thoughts on DeMar DeRozan's approach coming in here. I like his approach. One of the things he could bring to the table, Perez, that he talked a little bit about was around his leadership. I mean, this guy has been in a lot of playoff wars before that we talked about, Perez, on this show. And he, he brings a different element. He's a guy that can play with the ball or off the ball. You know, he can play with the other guys as well. So it makes sense for him to say, look, I'm not done yet. I still got a lot of value here. And I'm, I'm efficient. I've been an efficient player for the past few years. And I played with some guys, you know, with the Spurs. I And now I'm going to put it all together with the Bulls. Yeah. And and you you hit the nail on the head, A-Dub, to put it all together part. Zach Levine made the comment that, hey, DeMar DeRozan is still in his prime. And I fully believe that. And from what he experienced in Toronto, having to lead those teams to playoff runs to, you know, the tutelage under pop and having to expand his game and look at himself and discover things about himself that he didn't even know he was capable of doing as a player. Again, career high 6.9 assists last year. He has an opportunity in Chicago to say, hey, I may not be that lead dog. I may not be that guy. But if you look at the Miami Heat teams of, of LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, he can be that that Dwayne Wade role. We know Zach is going to play. He's, Zach is playing LeBron. Zach is the man on his team. But he can definitely fill in uh, for Zach and, and be that go-to scorer when need be. No, hey, listen, I, I'm with you guys 100% on that. I like the fact that DeMar is here. Now, I thought that they overpaid for him a little bit, but, hey, that's the free agency landscape. That's how it is, right? But right. as I mentioned before, there were some big-time teams that were going after DeMar. So it was amazing not only that we were able to get him, but the fact that free agents are interested in coming here. And that was the thing that I took away from AK. He was like – it was a surprise and a pleasant surprise to him that people wanted to come to Chicago because you guys remember, 
Wasn't nobody checking for us back in the day. These free agents would come here to get that free flight and, chick and kick it in Chicago, and they go sign somewhere else. No, great point there, Perez. The fact that we have to attract people now, that's a change in culture here in Chicago now, you know? So you give AK a lot of props with that, but also it just shows you, you know, the ability to, to attract free agents moving forward. Well, I say it all the time. It's, it's the difference a legit front office makes. Because for years, decades, everybody knew John Paxson and Gar Foreman were pushovers. Like you said, free flight, free meal. Um, they would listen to Chicago because of what Jordan built. Mm -hmm. Jordan's legacy was the reason why the Chicago Bulls logo and franchise has been relevant. But now when you got a guy like uh, AK, like Mark Eversley, you got guys that get down to business and know what they're doing. Players respect that. Yeah, and then the okay. advantage come with playing in Chicago. I was going to say, too, to that point you were making, Eversley has that relationship with DeRozan going back to the Toronto days. So that makes it easy, right? When you have someone in-house that's got the respect, because who on that executive team with Gar and Pax was going to go get a top free agent? Nobody really trusted uh, Gar at all. And Pax, he was cool, but, you know, at the end of the day, it was still Pax. Yeah, yeah. it makes a big difference right there. And and, oh, I was going to say, too, and Eversley is a Nike guy, former Nike guy, and we know how the sneaker game runs the league. So that also is a thing that no one talks about, but underrated aspect of the connections that Mark Eversley has in his league. Yeah, and they're forward thinkers, too. I was going to say, Pax, I looked at how he tried to uh, design teams and how he went, out, went about acquiring players. Pax was very old school in his thought process. Pax realize, and this is why I believe he stepped away, is he realized the game passed him up in terms of philosophy, in terms of how the game is played. Um, I feel like Pax was a little outdated. He was. I actually heard him on a podcast uh, recently, and he talked about some of why he walked away. And the first thing he said was he looked at himself in the mirror and realized we weren't getting it done. I need to step out of the way for some fresh uh, insights, some fresh perspectives, because you got to think about it to the point you were making, D.C., Everything that Pax was doing was the way the teams were running the team, uh, how they were building teams in the early 2000s. The way that AK and Eversley are moving is how teams have been building things since the early 2010s. We have not been doing that. These super teams and all these big three and big fours, that's how this league has evolved to. And the Bulls are missing that memo. Oh, no, you, with how the thinking process from back in the day to where we are right now, and you know what? AK has got a great track record with it now. You know, you can see and you can see all these other teams also moving into that category, what Prez is saying. So you're right. You got to stick up with the times, man. If you can't stay with the times, you got to move on. It's going to pass you back. And that, that goes along with coaching as well, too, that philosophy. So you got to change with the time. Absolutely, bro. I mean, think about Zach Levine. This, this uh, Chicago uh, team is attractive because of him. Lonzo Ball pointed to Zach Levine. DeMar DeRozan pointed to him. That is something that we have in our back pocket. And that's why I don't think that Zach Levine's going anywhere because he was a vital piece in recruiting these guys to come here. And one of the things that Lonzo said in the media day that I really like, guys, is he talked about the fact that he wanted to be here because the team didn't want him to change any aspect of his game. They liked his game the way it was, and that's all they want him to do is come here and be the same player he was last year and take his game to the next level, obviously. But they still want him to be that same guy. In L.A., he felt like they were trying to change his game. In New Orleans, he felt like they were trying to change his game. Here, 
he said they respect his game and they want him to just go and play ball. Yeah. No restrictions. And I feel like that's this front office's uh, is, is mindset is be who you are, come as you are, and grow as you want to grow. Uh, let Lonzo be Lonzo. And I feel like DeMar DeRozan, even though he played in San Antonio, San Antonio's a system. We know, we know Pop, you know, he, he has a system in place. But I'm excited to see DeRozan be a hybrid of, of what he was in that system and what he was in Toronto. You know, I don't. I don't think we've seen the best of Demar Derozan yet. Uh, I hope you're right. Yeah. But you know what? I definitely like um, you know um, having Lonzo on his team here because you're right, Fred. He is going to be himself. He's going to play himself, play the same role. And the thing about Lonzo, we talked about a lot, is that it's a passing ability. I mean, these guys like you know um, Zach get to finish a lot of plays. You know, and nothing like finishing plays, Fred, when you're playing with a guy who can pass so well, right? Like, if you're efficient doing it, it makes the game so much easier for everyone. So the fact that they wouldn't let these guys play their game, that's a plus. You know, and Zach Levine, we saw tipping this game to the next level from an offense standpoint. You know, it will be great to see him doing a defensive end as well. But, man, this guy's a good one, man. We got a good one, and hopefully we can keep this guy long-term, Fred. Yeah, I mean, you, you and D.C. both make those points about the playmaking. So, obviously, with Lonzo Ball, playmaker. D.C. brought up the point with DeRozan, averaging almost seven assists last year for the Spurs. That's going to make – Zach Levine's job so much easier because yep. these guys will probably be able to get him four to five easy buckets a night. Right. And think about this for us in transition. We get to see some more highlights, some dunks and things of that nature, right? Because he'll get the opportunity now. Well, shit, but yeah, but what think about even in the half court? Lonzo's got that vision that he'll just find him in transition. Zach could pull up for a three in open. He could pull up for a mid-range. It doesn't matter. I just think right. they're going to get him better looks than what he was able to get last. Zach, he had to create his offense every game. There was no playmakers on the team with him. Right. It, and and you can't load up on him, Perez, now. I mean, in the past, they were able to load right. up on him and, you know, double-team him and all that stuff. Now you got to help. Other guys can put the ball in the, in the bucket now. And you look at having guys like DeRozan and Zach on the wings. Think about all the back cuts. Think about just, you know, moving off the ball with the ball mm-hmm. and in the half court. That's going to be so dangerous because – you know, you could hit Vucevic in in the in the mid post, or you know, Vucevic he has a dangerous face up game, man. But you got guys like DeRozan and Zach that could just you know shake a defender and just next thing you know they they they're at the rim. And Lonzo's just finding them, so it's gonna be dangerous. And, and I think he's gonna take his game to the next level because I was getting now, audience, hear me out when I say this. I'm getting getting young Kobe vibes off of Zach Levine right now. I'm just seeing just an air of confidence around him. And I think that he's going to take his game to the next level. I think we're going to see a Zach Levine that we have not seen so far here in Chicago. I'm just getting some really good vibes. I think this team is dangerous. And I think Zach Levine's going to go off this season. And here's the other thing with Zach Levine, Perez, with them having offensive help now. He can focus a lot on defense, you know, so you, you can't literally lag on it now because now you got the energy to spend on that, right? You can double team all that stuff that wears you down. You can't focus that much on defense, but now he can do so with this team. Yeah, and it's, it was just a matter of picking and choosing. Like you said, A-Dub, you know, if he's relied upon to go out and score 25-30 a night, he can't be exhausting himself on the defensive end when he looks around and he knows he has no other dogs in the fight. It's just Zach Levine and Zach Levine that's going to take that team to the promised land. But now he's got help. So, yeah, you're going to see him, you know, play. The, and, and think about it, too. When you got a guy right next to you, Alonzo Ball, that's committed to defense, he's not going to be that guy that's getting called out in practice like, hey, 
Where you at? You know, like he he doesn't want to be that guy. And that's probably why he may be enough on the defensive team. One of his goals because he probably realized, hey, he'll have a little energy there for that side of the court. So, hey, fellas. I'm just looking forward to this bull season. I'm really excited, and I'm hoping that I'm not excited to be let down. But I am very much looking forward to this season. Audience, you guys are going to get all your training camp thoughts from us. We're definitely going to be giving you guys a lot of content here for the Bulls as uh, we get close to the season coming to uh, opening up here. But to revisit the conversation that we had earlier in the show around Matt Nagy and that performance on Sunday. Now, not only is the local media guys taking shots at Matt Nagy as coach, but you got the national media that has now come after him. We even see betting lines on DraftKings where they're basically saying Matt Nagy is going to be the first coach to get fired this season. Fellas, I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on, do you think that Matt Nagy should be fired in season? I think Matt Nagy should be fired, Perez, but I don't think during the season. You know, in the season, absolutely, you know. Uh, but I think right now with the whole thing, with this quarterback situation that they done made a shit show out of, that's tough, right? Because now you're like, you don't know who's going to start. Is it really, you know, Fields time or is it Dalton time? You know, all that stuff do matter. And you don't want to lose the locker room no more than when you already lost it already. So it's still early, though, in the season. It's not quite over. We had a terrible game, you know, of course. But if you start winning, getting some wins in the column, that could probably change some things around, but that remains to be seen just yet. Yeah, I think it's really going to come down to how fast the locker room turns on Nagy completely because he did Justin Fields no favors out there, and it looked almost as if he was trying to prove a point that Dalton is his guy, and he's not about to let Justin Fields mm. uh, shine, you know, and <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but, man, I feel like Nagy knows – he's done in Chicago and he's going to go out his way and he's not going to conform to what the bears organization or the fans think he should do. I feel like he's very prideful in that regard. Yeah. It's, that's one way to say it is another way, but I'm going to be nice today, but, <laughs> <laughs> I think, <laughs> but I think what you're saying there, DC is when it comes to Matt Nagy, it's going to be his way or the highway. Right. And so when you look at that game plan, he wanted to run his offense. He didn't care that Justin Fields was back there. He was running the same offense like Andy Dalton was back there. He's running the same offense with Mitch. He's running the same offense with Nick Foles. He didn't make any adjustments. Fine, whatever. I'm not going to retrace that. But when I look at him, this is year four, guys, and the shit's gotten worse. Now, I the one thing I do give Matt Nagy props for, guys, is the fact that he's a really good leader. So I don't think that he's lost the locker room. I think he's got a lot of guys looking at him sideways, but I don't think think he's lost the room yet. But after a while, that defense is going to get really sick and tired of having to continue to carry all the weight for the team and its success. So while I look at it and I agree with you both, I don't think that he should be fired in season, but – if the fucking Detroit Lions beat the Bears on Sunday, get him the fuck out of here. I will change that to real quick because Detroit is ass. If we don't beat the Detroit Lions, fuck that guy. Get him the fuck out of here. I'm sorry. I told y'all listeners I was going to calm down, but I got a little fired up. Because if Detroit wins that ball game, I'm going to be fucking pissed off. But anyway. I, I will say this, Perez. Detroit has played some 
good football, a lot better than we have. I will say that much, at least lately. You know, I'm no, not saying we're gonna lose. Hey, the motherfuckers is ass, bro. Watch the tape. They ass. They ass. Bro. Okay. <laughs> I will take that, but man, that just shows you how bad we are as a if, team. And that's why I said if we lose to him, bro, I will be the first one out there with a sign. Get him the fuck out of here. <laughs> Oh I would love to see that anyway, Prez. You out there with a side. <laughs> yeah, I, I, listen, it wouldn't be the first time I've done that type of shit. <laughs> he's, he's got a very, very short, short rope now. Like, it, it's, it's, he legit has to win this game at Detroit. Like you said, Prez, man, it, in order to save his job. It, 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 he's almost coaching for his job every week now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Now, to the point that A-Dub was making, and A-Dub, I ain't mean to, to shit on your point there. It's just I get so fucking fired up about this team. You know that, man. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing, man. I get it, bro. I get it. But the point you were making, though, about Detroit, they have played different than they did last year. They're playing harder. So to the point you are making, you said you wouldn't be surprised. I get where you were going with that. But under Matt Nagy, traditionally, the Bears – the Detroit Lions, but not bitches. So I've just kind of gotten used to that. Yep. <laughs> My goodness. This, this is another thing. And, and it's the point that DC just made a second ago. And I won't go touch on this, but now he, he had got in my head a little bit about this. <laughs> Do y'all think that Matt Nagy did this shit on purpose? Like, is this shit intentional? Like, you sabotaged this kid on purpose? Because I'm just thinking, like, Matt Nagy must be the most – he must be the dumbest motherfucking coach ever. But I'm like, dude. What if he did that on purpose because everybody was calling for Justin Fields? And he's like, okay, y'all want Justin Fields? Here you go. Now you still want him? Yeah. I, that, well, looking at that game, looking at his body language, looking at how he interacted with Fields, I, I felt like if I'm Justin Fields, I'm like, how can I trust this guy? Like, what is he doing right now? Like, what, what, what are you on, bro? Like, think about it. He's going to go down – his way, with his offense, like you said, no adjustments. In a game against the Cleveland Browns, this ain't the Browns of old. No, these guys got weapons. And you saw Miles Garrett just have his way with Justin Fields. That was to prove a point. I feel bad for Justin because I, I don't know how Justin slept at night after that game because I would have woke up in a cold sweat. They could see a 95 every fucking two seconds in my, in my <laughs> dreams. Because Miles Garrett was all over the fucking field. But now, DC, another point. When to your point about with Nagy with Fields, another thing that I noticed when I watched that ball game, and I don't know if you guys peeped this too, but when Justin Fields was coming off the field after getting sacked and not having really good success there, I never saw Mad Nagy come over and talk to him one single fucking time. I saw Dalton over there talking to him. I saw Nick Foles talking to him. Why isn't the head coach not over there talking to his rookie quarterback that's getting fucking shell-shocked out there? Exactly. Even with you guys saying that, you know, it's possible that he wants to see the kid fail, um, it just looks that you look at the play calling and all those different things for us, for um, Justin Fields, it, it felt like he was calling plays for us to really you guys the kid isn't ready, which is okay. He's not. We all know a lot of these quarterbacks right now who came as rookies are not ready, but it seems like he wants to expose them a little bit. It all falls on coaching for sure. And so this is the thing. Nagy was the one that pushed for Justin Fields in the draft. So put the kid in the best position to fucking succeed. Get this Andy Dalton shit out of the way. There's no going back to that. 
we got to go forward here. Now, you guys both know I was preaching. I was preaching patience with the fan base. I was like, listen, let Dalton do what he got to do. And let's let Justin learn and grow and this and that. But guess what? Dalton, you got hurt, man. So just stay over there on the sideline, mentor, be a good teammate. But I feel like it's Justin Fields' time. We just got to keep going with what we're doing right now. Well, here's my, my, my question is, do you guys think that Nagy can design an offense that would suit Justin Fields' abilities? Do you think he even has it in him? No. And I didn't no. think that he should have been the head coach coming back this season for that same reason. Because what offense did he use last year to, to, uh, to build around Mitch and what Mitch could do? All we saw and heard people tell you is what Mitch could do. But what could Mitch do? Mitch was good with throwing on a run. Mitch was athletic. He didn't play to any of that guy's stress. Until Bill Lazor, to the point that A-Dub made on the DBE, when Bill Lazor took over the play calls, that's when we saw this offense actually go somewhere and do something. Matt Nagy couldn't stand that somebody else was having some success. He had to take it back. And then what happened with the offense? It went back to looking like shit again. What's going on with the offense right now? It looks like shit. Matt Nagy was gifted with generational talent. And he's coaching a person like his Nick Foles. Well, that's the feels ain't Nick Foles. <laughs> right. He's not Nick Foles. But the thing is, he didn't do Nick Foles. He just he was like every quarterback. Well, fuck him. He trash anyway. He trash. I so know. Looked, I know. Man. Yeah, he hefty. He hefty with that shit. <laughs> so he made everybody look bad. But the thing is, and this is all that praise he shared, he also embarrassed our offensive line. He did. He embarrassed those guys. You know what I'm saying? Because he could have helped them out, as we all know. Um, but he also embarrassed the coaching staff as well. You know, Juan Castillo, I know a guy does very well with the offensive line, Fred. He tries his best. He has success for <laughs> years past. But you didn't help him out either, right? You kind of left these guys all on the island by themselves. So you embarrassed the whole team on the offensive side of the ball. Well, I'm just going to say this before we get into the next segment. I, I kind of feel where you're going with that, but that offensive line also did a good, pretty good job of embarrassing their own damn selves. But then the <laughs> second part of that, Ryan Pace. I'm not letting you off the hook either because you uh -oh. you are the one that put that offensive line out there. You thought this was the offensive line that you put out there when you traded up to draft your fucking quarterback of the future. You sat up here and said, okay, I'm going to draft this left tackle. That we still we know that he had a back injury, right? You knew he had this back injury. All right, he's going to be our left tackle. We're going to cut Charles Leno. We're going to bring back Jermaine Fetty to play right tackle. That's going to be our offensive line. Then the rookie, who we knew was hurt when we drafted him, when he has to get surgery, then we pick up a guy, to Ado's point, who was on a fishing boat, living <laughs> his best life, four weeks ago. This man fishing for bass. <laughs> so now we surprised that fucking Miles Garrett embarrassed him on Sunday? No. Nope. Nope. He didn't Not have a surprised. chance out there. He didn't have a chance. Zero chance. And that's, the, that shit all the way around was just embarrassing. Ugh. It was. You're right, Perez. And that's what really hurts me more because it's not like the coach don't know this, right? Like, dude, it's not rocket science, right, Perez? This is not rocket science. You can see what's happening. And the limited adjustments made, I mean, he didn't make any really. So we, we talked about that on DBE a lot, Perez. But it's like, man, this guy didn't do anything to help out at all. Yeah. So fuck him. They just better win on Sunday. That's all I got to say. I'm going to be out there at Soldier Field, and I swear to God, A-Dub, you'll know if I left it all out on the field again when I don't have a voice when we record on Sunday. <laughs> well, no, I definitely will, friends. Definitely Listen, we, will, brother. We're going to make that a video uh, podcast, and I'm going to be sign language, and y'all going to know. Y'all going to feel my pain on Sunday if we lose that ball game. <laughs> Shit.
Anyway. <laughs> I'm with you, friends. On to something that's going to make us all happy. How about those Chicago Sky? Going into the going into the playoffs, we had just talked about it last week, how they were kind of stumbling in. I felt like Coach Wade was kind of looking at his team like, hey, I don't know what to expect. I don't know which team we're going to get here. But these girls in single elimination, they made that shit like it was easy work. Before we get into that Connecticut Sun game that they won yesterday, I want y'all to walk the audience through how these women have performed in the playoffs as a whole so far. What are your general thoughts about the team right now? Because I've been very impressed with what I've seen. Man, Prez, I've been very impressed. And the one thing I've seen these ladies do a good job at is they started to show defense. They defended very well. They're doing that. They're trying to live in their turnovers, Prez, and they're playing, playing aggressively on offense and defense. They're pretty much getting back to that. Yeah, and sense of urgency. To your point, A-Dub, offensive end, defensive end, they've kicked up the intensity. Like I said, you know, I said it a couple episodes ago, playoff time is money time. So you see Candace Parker now becoming more vocal. You know, mm -hmm. I looked at the sidelines last night, just piggybacking off of Coach Wade, like, look, this is what we need to do. Let's make sure we lined up. Let's make sure we get this. Let's, let's get this play. They have championship aspirations. They're not here for a tea party. They're here to win a championship. Now, one thing that I've been really happy about with this team is they're showing up at the right time. We all know heading into the playoffs and being in the playoffs, that's when you want to play your best ball. Going into this season, though, when the Sky picked up Candace Parker, everybody was pissing them in as title contenders, but then we kind of saw that kind of fade away when Candace got hurt and when we were a little inconsistent coming back from the Olympic break. However, I want to get you guys' thoughts now on the team. Do you think that we should be put back into that title contention now based off of what you've seen so far in the playoffs? For me, Perez, the title contention never really left me, per se, once we got to the playoffs. What they have done is gotten back to what they've done early in the season, really, when they were all healthy uh, before the break, Perez. They were kind of like one of the top teams defensively. They got back to that root part of that. So they've been honing in on that part of it and playing good, closing out on D, you know, making sure these ladies not, you know, the opponents not shooting a lot of threes on them. So they've been playing very good together. The chemistry looks good. And, man, they've been making the things happen. Yeah, and I feel like this year at bringing Candace Parker over, it was it was title or bust, man. And and when you look at it, the playoffs is a completely different season. It's it's basically zero zero. Mm -hmm. So coming into the playoffs, they knew who they were. They just knew that all right, we just got to get through this regular season. We got to get through this Olympic break. Like they 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 were just going through the motions. But then as soon as the playoffs hit, that single game elimination, they woke up against uh, against Dallas. They it was like all right. Let's get this. Let's get this thing back on track. And then against the Connecticut Sun, man, like you really saw them tooth and nail, just fight. It was it was a fight in double overtime. It was a fight. But going before we even get to the Connecticut Sun game, the Minnesota Lynx game, I was really impressed with what I saw in that game because that was a game that a lot of people weren't giving the sky credit to win that ball game, and I thought that was a big time win. Because that was where we got to that matchup to even face the Sun. And in that ball game, guys, that's when you saw that balanced scoring attack coming back. Yes. That's something that we've talked about so much on the show. Think about it. You had Stevens and Copper and, and Diamond to Shields and, and our girl Allie Quigley. Shout out to you, Allie. All in double figures in that game. That was huge. No, that is huge, Perez. 
balanced scoring. That shows you that this uh, this team here can match up with anybody we get that kind of balanced scoring, Perez, and they've shown it so far in the playoffs. And the links are no pushovers either, you know. No way. Mm-mm. So no, definitely, definitely right about that. Definitely right about that. But now, when we look at this matchup now against the Connecticut Sun, I was reading so many previews on this um, before that game yesterday. No one was giving this guy any sort of chance in this series. They were saying that they were going to get swept. And that made that victory last night so much sweeter because those women fought in that game. And shout out to Courtney Vandersloot for that triple dub. My That's Lord. Cool. Shout out to you, Courtney. Man, Perez, the second triple W in WNBA playoffs history, the second one to be done. Man, that's huge, man. The one thing I will say about Courtney is that she runs the offense very well, Press. The floor general. Matter of fact, she's been even better, Press, in the playoffs. This is what she's doing now, how she's getting everybody involved in the game, man. And she has weapons to go with Parker, you know, and, and the copper. They do well together, man. They all do things differently, but they play great together. Courtney Vander Dish setting records out there. 18 helpers, man. That's That was a beautiful thing to see. And she didn't even realize that she had a triple-double. That just goes to show she's just out there breaking a sweat, fighting hard, and just trying to get that dub. So, man, hats off to her. <laughs> Did you also see how when the, during the game, you know, when she was in the game versus how the game was when she was out the game? You can see the difference when she was on the court, Perez. Like, look, this oh, lady yeah. makes a huge difference, right? You, you saw the impact. Like, man, our offense looks so much different when she's out there running the show. Well, and this this is the thing. This is why you can't count out this team. Because going into this series, we know that the Connecticut Sun, they got the MVP on their side. Right. But I'll tell you one thing. Don't sleep on the fact that the Chicago Sky team has a collective unit. We're not just one ball player. We got a team. And the one thing about this team right now is they're playing all around. That teamwork has been great. To the point you guys made, defensively, where they're stepping up. Offense. The offense is running really smooth right now, and that's because of your point guard pushing the pace, getting people in position where they can do what they do best. I was really, really happy about that game yesterday, and I'm telling you, I think that we're going to shock the world. We're going to beat the Connecticut Connecticut Sun. That's not me being a homer. I just think that we got what it takes to knock them off. Yeah, and I like that the thought press around that press. And also, we had a good game plan. I got He's been saying, hey, push the floor, push the ball, you know, let's get some easy buckets in transition. And they've been capitalizing on that. I mean, Copper, you know, been doing a good job at finishing plays, Perez. I even see Kenneth Parker running the floor very well. So they all playing really good in transition, too. Yeah, there was a couple of plays there where Candace Parker was was mad at herself. You know, she didn't get the rebound. She couldn't, couldn't you know, uh, I think I believe that was the play that sent it into the first overtime uh, when Connecticut scored. But, you know, you just see her intensity level kicked up. You know, she cares out there. She's passionate, you know, and she's leading by example. So, and then got hats off to Coach Wade, too, you know, getting the substitution patterns and rotations down right, too, in the playoffs. You know, that's key. No, and that's a good point. That's a good point, especially when it comes to those rotations. We talked about that a few episodes ago, and I think that, by him making those tweaks, I think that's helping us here down the stretch because I would tell you one advantage that we have in this series, our depth. The Connecticut Sun, they can't fuck with our depth. No, not at all, Perez. And the fact that Wade looking at that part of the game as well, and also he's looking at matchups, what matchups work. And I think that's a good idea from coaching to really seeing that what he can exploit. Yeah, that's what it's about. For sure. Well... 
Hey, Dub, let's transition over to the Chicago Cubs real quick. We're going <laughs> to do the eulogy here on the 2021 season. They had their farewell to Wrigley, the series against the Cardinals, you guys' rivals. Hey, Dub, please give your Chicago Cubs the proper eulogy for 2021, please. This year was a tough year. Got off to a good start. End of lose, get to a losing streak, you know, and then we end up setting off a lot of pieces to the team because of that. But overall, you know, I thought the coaching did a good job at handling the team, managing the team. I got to give Ross a lot of props around that. But overall, you know, wasn't a, a year that most people expect us to win in. But seeing the fire sale, that was tough to see. But overall, now we got to think about rebuilding and moving forward. Yeah, that was tough. It was tough. Um, proper eulogy there on your team. The Cubs finished with a 39-42 and 42 home record. And that's on the heels of a franchise record 13-game home losing streak. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's tough. They, they're not doing Rossi any favors. So it'll be interesting to see what happens this offseason. I'm hearing a lot of talk that the Cubs are going to be contenders there for, in free agency. So we'll discuss that when that time is right. But I just wanted A-Dub to give his, his little eulogy here on the season because it's been a tough one, D.C., it, it definitely has. So, A-Dub, I am optimistic that next season will be better. Yeah, I do not see a repeat of a, uh, of a terrible stretch like you guys have had on multiple occasions. Um, but it is still Chicago. So I don't think that free agents are going to scoff at the Chicago Cubs. You know, I, I do think you guys will turn it around. Yeah, because it's Chicago, it's Wrigley Field. You know how that works. They'll be all down for that. Yeah, you know, we'll definitely see what happens there in free agency. But, you know, this team is a, some years behind Perez when we're talking about getting to that playoff or championship caliber level. we got a long way to go, though. Yeah, well, you said it. I mean, I'm, I'm not going – I'm not – listen, this was your eulogy. I, I got nothing. I'm just here for support. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the support from you in D.C., man. I appreciate it, though. But it's a rough one, but you know what? It is what it is, man. Not much I can do to change this year. Hey, but at least you're a real fan of the team, man. You're riding with them through the end. And, you get, you know, listen, the point that you made a couple episodes ago when you were like, hey, you guys had some down and out times. Yeah, we did. But I was still at those games, and I was still rocking my black. So it's all good, man. You, you guys will be back. You'll be back. Yes, sir. Yeah, all right. I was just saying respect because he didn't hop off the bandwagon. You know, I, it's a lot of people doing that Homer Simpson meme, you know, going in the bushes with the, the red and blue on coming back. <laughs> yeah, they, they went to that dark side. <laughs> man, those dudes ain't real fans, man. They doing that. That's all right. We'll see. I mean, it's probably that boy. That remember your cuz fan from that bar that night? He probably next time we go in there, he probably wearing a fucking Lewis Robert jersey. <laughs> it would not surprise me at all, friends, hearing that dude talk, man. Oh, he got on my nerves. That was the most emotional. Not even just cuz fan, fan in general. Everything bothered him, and I get bothered by a lot too. So if I meet somebody to get bothered by more things than me, I'm like, bro, what did you want? <laughs> You know what's crazy, DC? I know we may have mentioned this already, but my boy Fred just sitting back there chilling, laughing, looking at me in him. I'm like, come on, man. You got to help me out here, Fred. You got to help me out, man. No, nah, because you know why I didn't? Because he was raising his voice a little too much for me. 
And if I would have kept engaging, I'm like, bro, why are you yelling so loud, man? Because it was you know how I get. So I'm yeah. like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely understand, friends. I do, brother. Sometimes I got to remove myself from situations that's going to make me uh, go back to that old press. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Fair enough, man. I totally get it. All right, audience. To you guys' favorite segment of the show. And I'm not making this up. I've had a lot of people hit me up and say they want us to, de- to devote more time to the so- uh, to the sock segment. They said they feel like we rushed through it. So, listeners, I heard you loud and clear. So here we are. The Chicago White Sox clinched the division. Playoff tickets went on sale today. I repeat, playoff tickets went on sale today. Now they did sell out in like a half hour. I was lucky enough. I grabbed games for the uh, AL uh, division series. I got tickets for game three. And I'm telling y'all, y'all Sox fans, man, y'all play too much. People, I, I don't know, somebody must be like one of them IT people. I, I was in line to, in the queue, and it was like every time it was, I was next up to get my tickets, then it would kick me out. And I'm like, somebody keep kicking <laughs> me out of line here. I was like, if this is a real life, I was like, that would have been a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, oh, here comes prayers. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, minute, hold on. You know, yep. there go prayers. Not yet, not yet. Wait, <laughs> put right. you on hold. Yep. But no. So to that point, though, I mean, it's gonna be really, really good time here in Chicago. And and a dub, I really hope to the point that you made on the last episode that triggered me a little bit. That you hope that we're not where you are at currently, right? And I hope to God <laughs> that don't happen. I hope to God that I'm a bit. I'm at that ALDS game, smiling. My face planted into some nachos and a helmet, just watching some just great baseball. I just really hope that that's what we see out there because, listeners, this is an exciting time to be in Chicago. I mean, listen to all the vibes here. The Chicago Sky are making moves out here. The Bears may be potentially moving to Arlen Heights. Our White Sox are going into the playoffs. These are great times here. Justin Fields might actually be the next quarterback here in the NFL as far as the hierarchy of the league, if, you know, the coach would get out of his way. But these are good times. The Bulls, they're back. We got a lot to be thankful for here in Chicago as fans. So I'm very excited, guys. Yeah, Perez, that's a good point you bring up, man, with all these teams, the excitement around all these teams, man, in Chicago. I definitely hear your point there. And looking at your White Sox, I don't think they're going to be a one-and-done out press that soon. What I said last week, you know, we were going back at it. But, you know, that whole with it, just really looking at this, just, just looking at the team in general. I mean, you got guys who are hungry, like Tim Anderson, Robert, Abreu, Grandal, Jimenez. You know, you, you guys got a squad over there, man. These kids, can, young guys can play. So, so you guys got a lot to be thankful for on the White Sox side of the table. Your team look good. And, hey, they won't shock you all. They, they won't shock the world if they continue to advance. Oh, this is the thing now. A-Dub stopped at like about four or five guys. He could have kept going because we even got more than that. We got more heat. We got more heat. (laughs) That's true. Now, you brought up Jose Abreu's name. Now, I want to give a shout-out to Jose Abreu. This man not only is just missing consistency on this team, leads the league in RBIs, but he gets hit all the time. These opposing teams just go after him. Now, he got hit in that damn Tigers game. And Jose Abreu wasn't going because he slid into second base and them benches cleared. And Jose Abreu had to let them know, no, nah, I'm sick of this shit. And he got hit again tonight, too. Wow. I don't know what's going on, man. These teams, they going after my boy Jose Abreu. Y'all better stop playing with him. 
Look, I will say this, Perez. They need to chill out on hitting the guy. But one thing I got to give up radio a lot of credit for, man, is this guy is, to me, one of the main leaders of this White Sox team. He's leading very well. of the Haters going to hate. And that's probably why he keeps getting hit. Because he's good. I mean, like, come on, think about it. 20, 21 times he's been hit, yep. I believe, this yep. season. And that's, that's too much. That's too much. So, you know, he's got to be doing something right to get under the, the, the skin of these opposing pitchers. And Brady was not that kind of guy who's going to crack. He'd take some punishment, but you know what? He will also stand up for himself. I don't know what the hell they're trying to do, but they're doing it to the wrong guy. So That's true. They need, to, they need to move on and find somebody else. But now, one thing that was interesting from that, the, the bench is clearing, and then no punches were thrown. It was just a lot of trash talk and a lot of guys angry with each other. But Tim Anderson actually got suspended in that game because he made contact with the umpire. So he got a three-game suspension. And I know he appealed it. So, you know, it was a lot of nonsense that came out of that situation. But, you know, to, to the point that we made a couple episodes ago, we know that the White Sox, all they're thinking about is the postseason at this point. So a little stuff like this, the Detroit Tigers and their hate, ain't nobody worried about y'all. You know, you guys always get a Detroit skin anyway. You know, they always like the little brother of the town, of the division. So anytime you all face them, they feel they got something to prove against you guys. Man, fuck Detroit. <laughs> There we go. There we go, Perez. <laughs> you won't be uh, going to Mom's Spaghetti anytime soon, I'm guessing. No. I was a uh, funny story for y'all before we – because I got one other point here on the Sox. I was driving through Detroit, and this was maybe a couple weeks ago, and I drove past 8 Mile, and I looked around, and I'm like, this ain't no hood. I'm like, that movie, they totally played this shit up. I'm like, look at all these expensive-ass houses over here. I'm like, that movie was a fucking lie. I was like, yeah, fuck Detroit. And then I just kept driving. Press, press, press. So now, we talked about on last week's show, Carlos Rodon. Now, Carlos Rodon, he's had some arm troubles here down the stretch. He had a bullpen session uh, this, uh, I think it was uh, on Monday. Tony Russo wasn't so positive about that bullpen um, session. He said, hey, look, we'll see how it goes. He was supposed to have started in last night's game. They pushed it back till tonight, and I will tell you, audience, because I was watching this while we were recording. I was looking at the corner of my eye here in my studio. Carlos Rodon went five minutes tonight, scoreless innings. He looked pretty good. Now, I would say the velocity, it was kind of so-so, but he was getting people out. And in the playoffs, if Carlos Rodon is able to give us five or six innings of scoreless baseball like that, I don't give a fuck if he's throwing 92 miles per hour or 95 miles per hour. I don't give a fuck. If you're getting people out, put him out there. No, he looked good, Perez. You know, you're right. He didn't have that same, you know, that um you, you call, you know, that that arm strength that they shown to where he's getting people out with the gas. But right now, it shows that he can get them out in different ways, variety of ways. So you're right, pitch five, pretty good in solid in is there, good location on his pitches. So he's doing that, Perez. He still can get guys out. Yeah, he, yep. he threw he threw strikes. That's what that's yep. the name of the game. He threw strikes. Yep. Yeah, he's a special talent. And and if he can be effective in those short stints, oh, man, like, that's that's what you need, you know. Well, this is the thing. If we can get six innings out of him and get to the bullpen, I'll be good there because right now when I look at this rotation, I feel good about Lance Lynn. I feel really good about Giolito. If we can plug in Rodon in that three spot, I feel pretty good there with that rotation. I'm not retracing my thoughts about Dallas Keuchel, whatever. He could be somebody that they could put in in long relief. 
But if you have three really solid pitchers on your staff in the playoff rotation, consider yourself very fortunate, especially with this offense. We got a murder's row. The key is going to be having that pitcher rotation is going to be able to go at least six innings in these games. Man, you guys say, look, you a lot of damage, my brother. Yeah, but again, it comes down to pitching, what we're going to get out of that. So that's just my main concern there. So we'll see because the, the pitcher staff, the coaches staff, they're going to meet with Rick Hahn this uh, weekend, and they're going to discuss the roster makeup for the playoffs. And I'm sure the main topic is going to be is, how that bullpen and how that pitching rotation is going to play out. Because with the uncertainty around Carlos Rodon, it right. may be smart for them to add another arm into that roster to make sure if something does happen, they got a backup there. Because Lopez is a guy that I really think has really done well since they've called him up from AAA. He's someone that I think should be on that playoff roster just in case something does go down with Carlos Rodon in the playoffs. Yeah, that's true, Perez, and that's going to be a key right there, really looking at who you all have that the, on the roster going to the playoffs because that does make a big difference there. All that kind of matters, but it looks like you all getting guys back is doing decently heading to it. So I think it's going to be a key factor right there. So we'll definitely see here, but when I look at this playoff picture, the Astros more than likely are going to clinch home field advantage in the uh, ALDS. They just need a win over the Rays and for the White Sox to lose, but we're not going to lose tonight. But either way it goes, we're two and a half games behind the Astros for home field advantage. I hate that fucking team. Whatever. I'm not going to go into that anymore. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I really like where this team is right now. Tony LaRusso is pacing them. And a lot of people have criticized Tony LaRusso because they feel like that he has been, you know, low managing the team. And they feel like he's been coasting in the second half of the season. But listen, this guy has experience. He's done this before with another team that won the World Series when he was with the Cardinals. So I'm not going to go against what Tony La Russa thinks. Now, when they hired him, I wasn't so keen on the signing. I thought they should have went after A.J. Hinch. However, Tony La Russa has come in here and done what a lot of people expected him to do as a veteran Hall of Fame manager. And that's got this team to be one of the top teams in the league. And I'm telling you, that experience from him is going to be invaluable in the playoffs. No, I, I hear your point there, Perez. You're right. The experience is going to be good. But the thing is, you asked golf to a great start as well, you know, and you had a big enough lead to where you get able to load matters, guys. Give them a chance to rest. Give them a chance to get healthy. You can do that when you got a good lead in your division. So you, I think that's something that will help you guys down the road. So I will say kudos to the coaching for doing that. Good job managing the team around that. Yeah, but you got off to a good start in a season where we had four or five of our top players out. You don't get right. to that good lead and hard start without having a manager that knows how to navigate through that. So, yeah, we got off to a good lead, but we got off to a good lead with many top players injured. Jimenez, That's true. Robert, Grandal, Magical, before we traded him. All of these top guys are out. And so that is another reason why I give so many props to LaRusso because he steadied the ship. There was a lot of drama early on in the season, and we're not talking about that bullshit right now. Right. It, it was. You're right, Press. It was a lot of drama. And you all got past that quickly because when you all start getting the wins, everyone starts forgetting things that, hey, you know, we're moving on. We're playing well together. But the thing is, like you mentioned, Press, you guys are loaded team. Got enough guys who can come in. Next man up with a definitely was a mentality for your team. And the next guy came in and did damage. Well, you said it, Press. He's he's a Hall of Fame manager, you know. And I was listening to uh, Ozzie Guillen speak about 
Tony LaRusso today. It's like, what advice can you give him? Hmm. Really, you think about it. He's seen just about everything that you can see uh, from his position uh, on that baseball field. So for us to have the type of start that we had, you know, you would need a guy with that level of experience to, like you said, steady the ship. And that's why I don't have any doubts about going up against Houston. Because I feel like he he understands what it's going to take to get this team to a World Series. Yeah, do you see? And that's the reason why I'm just like so fired up right now. Just knowing that I think we're in good hands. Even Tim Anderson came out and said, hey, we got the right guy here. So when you hear Tim Anderson say that, who is I think one of the other leaders on this team with Jose Abreu, that means a lot. That shows you that he has this locker room and these guys are riding with him. So listeners, we're going to keep this Sox content coming to you guys, all playoffs. One last point before we get out of here. The White Sox are hosting a change the game rally on Monday at the cell from 3 to 7 p.m. Gate 5, Lot B. It's a free event. Uh, go to whitesox.com uh, forward slash CTG. You can RSVP and they'll send you tickets. I just did that tonight. Got four of them. Go out. They're going to be giving out complimentary posters. There's going to be food. There's going to be a live DJ. They're going to have a video board that's going to be showing all the highlights. They're going to do like speed pitch challenges, all kinds of shit going on. But this is going to be an opportunity for the Sox and the team to celebrate their division championship because, hey, they didn't get a chance to celebrate their uh, postseason uh, birth last year because of COVID. So this is an opportunity that they're going to be able to give back to the fan base. So I think that's really cool. All right. Final segment, If This City Could Talk. So my If This City Could Talk goes out to the Obamas. They broke ground on the presidential uh, center, and they called it a way to give back to Chicago and to the South Side. So if this city could talk, it would say, shout out to the Obamas for not only recognizing that their time here in Chicago was special, but also leaving something here that's going to leave a lasting memory of their time here and also the fact that they put it on the south side i think that's going to be huge that's going to be something that's going to help property value in that jackson park neighborhood so if this city could talk it will say shout out to the obamas for giving our south side something to be a proud of so shout out to you guys salute if this city could talk it will say salute to all the doors across chicago across the country I got to thank everybody for showing love to their daughters over this time frame, you know, uh, posting pictures, prayers, doing all those great things and showing your daughter how much you appreciate her. So if you all have a daughter out there, salute to your daughter, tell your daughter you love her, you know, show her love, talk to her, make sure she just stays on point. Show that love. Well said, A-Dub. Shout out to my, my baby girl, Nyla, nine years old. Shout out. Shout out to the little, the little guy too, Nyla. Let's not leave him out in the cold. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but hey, hey, listen, if this city could talk, I'm just going to piggyback off of uh, the Chicago Bears here. Um, as much as we don't want to see the Chicago Bears leave town, um, sometimes saying goodbye is inevitable. And it doesn't mean that we're going to support the team any less if the Chicago Bears do leave. But what it does mean is that we're going to have to come together more so that in the future, our beloved 
Sox, Cubs, Bulls don't also look for greener pastures if politics and organizations can't seem to get on the same page. Mm. Hey, that's a fair one right there. Hey, A-Dub, shout out to them daughters. We won't forget about the sons too. We love y'all, but definitely shout out to those little queens out there. And DC, well said on that, man. We, we got to keep, man, we got to keep these teams in Chicago. Now, I mean, damn, I know I was talking about the state of our stadium and all the extras that it's going to be able to bring, but it's going to be a little sad if we lose the Bears to Arlington Heights, but we'll see what happens there. But, hey, I love you guys as if this city could talk. Audience, as always, this show is brought to you by Crave It. You can find Crave It on Apple and Android applications. Please find us on our exclusive community, Chicago Versus. We're also running a Justin Fields autograph helmet contest. You can find that on our Twitter account at, at Chicago Versus, V-E-R-Z-U-Z. Fellas, it's a dope-ass episode, and we are out. Jordan was, he never asked me to do something that he didn't fucking do. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way.